Hey, good morning. You know, they talk about the uh, Christians sometimes as the frozen chosen. But in uh, today, that like might be true. But since you've been here for a few minutes at least, hopefully that's not the case. We're going we're gonna to kind of thaw out a little bit. Boy, it was cold, huh? It was. And, uh, but it's nice and warm in here. And if you get too hot, uh, apologize for that. Hey, let's open our Bibles to the book of Jonah, if you can find it in your Old Testament. The book of Jonah, what an incredible little book that we're uh, in the middle of looking at today. And uh, we looked last week, a little, just a little bit of review for the first few verses, we, we talked about Jonah running from God. This is a prophet of God running from God, which that's one of those oxymorons, right? It's like when we say to Jesus, yes, or excuse me, no, Lord. That's moronic. So we have this prophet and he's running away from God. Why is he running away from God? Because he didn't like God's plan. He didn't, he didn't want to obey God. I mean, that's the bottom line. He just didn't want to do he didn't want to recognize God's plan. He didn't want to recognize God in his life. And so he was going to run the other way. He, he basically ran completely the opposite direction. Five times further than God had asked him to go. Five times further. Now, whose fault was that? Five times further. Besides the fact that he had to go on a boat to get where... God wanted him to go. He didn't have to go on a boat. And, and boat rides can sometimes be dangerous, as we'll see, right? And, you know, you've heard in the news recently, right? There was a big boat out in the ocean there. And, and there were some people actually from our state that were on that boat. And they had kind of a rough time of it. I was thinking about that. I was wondering, did God have anything to do with any of that? I don't know. Maybe there was a Jonah on board that boat. I don't know. It's possible, right? But that's Jonah, right? Nineveh's one way. He's going to go the complete opposite direction. And I, again, love this quote. After paying the ferry, you went aboard and sailed. And when you run away from the Lord, you never get to where you're going. You always pay your own fare. On the other hand, when you go the Lord's way, you always get to where you're going. And He pays the fare. He pays the fare. And ultimately, the fare... The fair is what, ultimately? That right there. There's the fair. He paid the price, right? It's the cross. We're going to celebrate communion today and think about the love of God. He paid the price. Ultimately, where we're going is heaven. And he paid the fair. And we're going to get there because of what he did. But as far as Jonah running away from God, it's, it's really futile. It's futile to run away from God. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere we can get to where he's not going to know where you and I are. He just, there's, there's just nowhere. We saw that in Psalm 139. And as I pointed out, though, it's much better. Going the wrong way there. Uh, I didn't put it up there, but it's much better to run to the Lord. Much better to run to the Lord than to run away from the Lord. And, 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 and as I said, we're, we're all running. The question is, which direction are we running? Remember that? So, 
to look at our verses today from, from verse, four and verse 4 and following, really there are two questions that I want to answer today. One is, we run from God, and number one is, does it affect anyone else? And number two, what does God do? How's God involved in all of that? Does he just say, let you go and you're off on your own and, and that kind of thing? So as we continue in this account, and again, it's not a parable, it's not a fiction, it's not a song, it's not an allegory. It's the truth. It's a biographical, historical account of what happened in the life of this man, Jonah. But we will find the answers. So let's look at verse 4 and, and read there. Verse 4, it says, Then the Lord, notice that, Then the Lord, and notice there when it says Lord in capital letters, you all notice that? It's in pretty much every version. If you see the word Lord in capital letters, it's the name Yahweh. Some pronounce it as Yehovah. Uh, but it's a, like the, the personal name of who God is, Yahweh. So God, who we saw in the first verses, when Jonah ran away, it says he turned away from the face of Yahweh. Then Yahweh sent a great wind, it says here, from the sea, on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. The ship threatened to break up. What does God do? That's a big question. That's one of the questions that I hope we can answer today, looking at these verses. What does God do? I think one of the things I can say on the opposite is what God doesn't do is he doesn't let go of Jonah. He doesn't just let him go. Now, he, he, he will let us start down a path, maybe. He'll let us kind of go a certain direction, but he's, he's not going to let go of you. If you truly belong to him, you're one of his children, he's going to have his eye on you, he's going to have his hand on you. And in, in this particular case, he doesn't let go of Jonah, but he also doesn't coddle Jonah. You know, I think in our society, we think, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to coddle everybody. And, and I, there's a time for coddling, right? Y'all know what coddling is? It's sort of like cuddling where you just kind of like go very gently and easy and kind of, you know. And sometimes we need to do that, and sometimes I think God will actually do that. But in other cases, like in the case of Jonah here, he doesn't coddle him, does he? He says, wait a minute, Jonah. And he sends, it says he sends a great wind. He sends a violent storm, and God intervenes in the life of this man, Jonah. Again, we study these verses here so we can make application to our own lives. And the, the New Testament says these things were all given to us for our instruction so that we might learn and, and, and that we might see how God might work. I think God definitely wants to get Jonah's attention. Does it work? Ultimately, it does work. Ultimately, it gets Jonah's attention. In the beginning, maybe not so much. But I, I read this quote uh, from Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of England. He said, God never allows his children to sin successfully. That's pretty good. He never allows us to sin successfully. I mean, we're, we'll go out and do our thing, 
And I've seen it over and over where we go off and try to do our thing, but it just doesn't seem to work out. It doesn't seem to get us where we want to go, where we think it should go. Well, because we're not doing it his way, we're doing it our way. The next question, of course, does it affect anyone else? Always, always. When we're running from God, does it affect anyone else? Yeah, it says here that the ship threatened to break up. I wonder if the ship was talking to them. I'm going to break up. The ship threatened to break up. The things were not going well. All these other people that are on the boat now are going to be affected because of the life of Jonah, because of the direction of Jonah. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, we don't live in a vacuum, you see. We don't live in a vacuum, and, and God has, has got his hand upon us, and God is working in our lives, and it will certainly affect the people around us, but the bad choices that we make will affect those people around us as well. The bad choices will affect the people around us as well. Like it, it, you know, it, it can't not happen that way, right? Whatever a man sows, what? He'll reap. It, 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 we, we sow bad seed, bad plants will come up. It's just the way it is. We sow good seeds, good seeds will will come up. But look at verse 5. It says there that all the sailors were afraid. And each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So is, is it affecting anybody else? Yeah, many other people, they are fearful. It says there. You know, their lives are in danger now. You got, certainly got the sailors' attention. It doesn't seem to have Jonah's attention yet, right? But it certainly got the, the people around him, which is kind of, you know, we see that in this account, that, that, you know, they, the people around Jonah, seem to have it more, they were more, you know, aware of what was going on than Jonah himself was. They were kind of more on track, like, what are you doing, Jonah, than Jonah was? So anyways, it got their attention. Now, these are seasoned sailors. They're not, you know, they're used to storms, but it says they were seized with fear. They were seized with fear. Someone said this, our lives and the lives of others are woven together. We cannot disobey God without in some way affecting others for ill. And nor can we obey God without affecting them for good. It just, it's just fruit out of our lives and the direction of our lives. But you see these guys, these sailors, again, you know, Jonah's down there sleeping, right? But the sailors, what do they do? And what do people do when there's trouble all around them, typically? It says here, they each cried out to his own God. Each cried out to his own God. And, you know, we all have our own God. Everyone has a God. Everyone serves somebody. But there's only one true God. But everyone's got a God that they turn to, whether it's the, you know, the knot on the tree over there or some other kind of weird uh, philosophy. I'm going to turn to that. That's what I put my hope in or whatever it is. They each turn to their own God, it said. Each cried out to his own God. But that didn't seem to be doing any good, right? And so it says then they, they threw the cargo into the sea.
to lighten the ship. Well, maybe that will make it better. So they did, you know, they offloaded some stuff. And again, does your life affect anybody else around you? Certainly happened in the life of Jonah, right? They, they lost all their cargo. They lost. They lost stuff here. It affected them. And, and so, but that didn't seem to help much, right? They tried to take care. Well, if we do this, it'll fix it. Now, you and I never try to do that, right? You know, the first step should be to cry out to the one true and living God. But what we do is, well, let me, if I fix this a little bit, if I throw off a little bit here, if I add a little bit here, if I try this, try that, and it doesn't get any better. When first and foremost, John 6, 30, Matthew 6, 33 says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be taken care of. Seek ye first, but we don't do that, right? We don't do we get I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna try that. We're we're so smart. We're so intelligent. It doesn't work. Where was Jonah? Where was this prophet? This great spiritual prophet guy? Where was he? He was down in the in the bottom of the ship. He was sleeping. He was down there sleeping, right? And I had to think about this. It says, notice too, it says in, in, the, in the King James, it says he's gone down into the ship. You know, he went down to Joppa and he went down into the ship. And later he's going to go down into the sea. It's this downward trend that he's on. But he's down in there and he's sleeping. You say, well, was it just because he was so peaceful? Is that why he was down there sleeping? He had such a peace about running from God. I don't think so. My, my personal opinion is this. He was exhausted from running from God. You see, because, because running from God, it wears you out. I know, I've tried. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever ran from God and you know, like, man, why is it? I'm, I'm just getting exhausted. I'm getting beat here. And why is it? Because running from God, it'll wear you out. Isaiah chapter 40 says what? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? But running from God, you're not, you're not renewing anything. You're using it all up, and pretty soon you've got nothing left. Or maybe, and I, I think about this too, and I've seen this, you know, sleep is like an escape, right? How many of you, like, you're having a really bad day, you just want to go to sleep so you can just escape from it? It really feels good to be asleep because then you, if you're actually really asleep, you're not, like, thinking about all the problems and troubles and sorrows and everything else. Isn't that true? So it's like an escape, and maybe Jonah's thinking, if I just sleep, I'm going to go down there, I'm going to sleep, and I'm going to sleep through this, and, and I'm going to wake up, and everything is going to be better. And guess what? They wake him up, and everything is not better. It's not better. You know, there's lots of other stuff, too, that we escape in, isn't there? Like drugs, alcohol, maybe work. There's all sorts of things that we can kind of escape into to kind of to, to get us away from the, where we should be in following after God. We, we, we have all kinds of stuff. We manufacture things to, to fill up our time to escape into. But when we wake up, guess what? He's still there. You can't get away. You can't get away from the fact that he's still there. He's right there. 
So Jonah, look at verse 6. It says, the captain went to him, to Jonah, and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. He goes to Jonah and, and he says, how can you sleep? And really what, what's happening here is Jonah, the prophet of God, the believer, is being rebuked by the unbeliever, right? He's being rebuked by a, a, a pagan, basically, one who did not believe at all. And that is, in my mind, that's just plain embarrassing. Isn't it? It's embarrassing when, when someone around us who is, who is not even a believer in the one true God, they can see that we're like, what is going on with you? What are you doing that for? And they know better than we know. And they get like, man, what are you doing that? I remember, and I've told this story before, back in, you know, in San Diego, I was working in this factory, and there was a guy who was not a believer, and, and he, but he, you know, he was at this party, and there was a guy who, who said he was a believer. I'm a believer, but he's there smoking pot and doing all this, and, and he says, well, you're a believer? Like, really? I mean, people around us can see if we, if we profess to be Christians, they can see what, what direction our lives are taking. So this guy comes and he comes to Jonah and he, and he asks him, how can you sleep? Get up. How can you sleep? Lives are at stake. Can't you see what's going on? At least the captain cared, right? Lives are at stake here. Jonah, again, Jonah is running away from God because God asked him to go where? Nineveh to preach to the people there. And Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because he says they might repent and God would have mercy on them and spare them. So was Jonah caring about people? Not at all. He's only caring about himself. But this captain, he was worried about the whole crew. He was worried about everybody on board there. At least he cared. And again, to be shown up or, or rebuked by uh, someone who doesn't even have that faith in the one true God. That is embarrassing. So, but he tells them, call on your God too. You know, we need all the help we can get. Maybe he will take notice of us. But as we read the, the account here, we can see that God was taking plenty of notice, right? God was taking plenty of notice. that This guy wasn't aware of it. Again, he's not a believer. But God was certainly taking notice of what was going on there. Makes us think, too, about, about when uh, Jesus was in the storm, right, and the disciples, and Jesus was down in the bottom of the boat sleeping. Jesus said, let's, we're going to cross over. Let's cross over to the other side. That's what Jesus said we are going to do. And he's in the bottom of the boat sleeping. Why? Because he knows they're going to get to the other side. But they, the disciples start freaking out. They woke up Jesus in the storm, and he calmed it. But here, Jonah... He can't seem to bring any calm. In fact, he, he's causing this whole situation. He's at the bottom of it all, right? Look at verse 7. Then the sailors, they woke Jonah up, and then it says, The sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on, guess who? Jonah. 
say, well, what's that all about? They're throwing lots. It's like casting, you know, like throwing dice or something. It was a common practice of the day. They would do that. Interesting thing in Proverbs, it says that the, the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So the Lord even had a part in that. And it came to Jonah. They, they thought that someone was responsible. When stuff's going on around us, we, we want to find someone who's responsible, someone that we can blame, right? I don't know what Jonah was thinking. Maybe it'll come up somebody else. We can blame somebody else. But he wasn't wanting to put the finger on himself just yet. But he will, right? Jonah's number comes up. What does God do? He uses people around Jonah, even unbelievers, to challenge Jonah. Like, who are you? That's what it says in verse 8. Look at verse 8. So they asked him, tell us. Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Those are some pretty good questions, huh? Have you ever had people ask you questions like that? Who are you? What do you do? Like, what, what, what are you all about? And in most cases, and in many cases, I should say, it's exciting when people ask us, well, what, what are you all about? And it gives us an opportunity to tell them what we're all about. We're all about worshiping the God, the God who is the creator. That's what Jonah says, right, in verse 9, right? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. He says, I'm a Hebrew. No doubt these people had heard about the Hebrews. They knew about this group of people called the Hebrews, right? No doubt about that. But he says, I worship Yahweh. Not just any God, not just one God, but the God, and he talks about him, the God of heaven. The God who made the sea and the land. The God who is above all. I wonder, had they heard of Yahweh? But notice, he doesn't, he doesn't, at this point, he doesn't answer about what do you do? Because what would he have, have to say? What do you do? You know, people see, when you meet people, they say, well, what do you do? I don't do nothing. Now, what, how do you answer that question? What do you do? When? Like, what do you... What do you do? I don't know. What did, what did he do? What was his occupation? He's a prophet, right? I'm a prophet of Yahweh. I'm a prophet of God. What do you do? I'm a prophet. Really? I think it came out, though. I think it came out. But when I look at this verse 9, he says, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. That is a good, strong confession, isn't it? That's a good, strong confession of truth. But there's only one problem, right? What is it? He's not doing it. He's doing something else, right? He's confessing this, but he's doing this, right? That's the idea. His actions were another thing, and that's, a, that's kind of a problem, right? When we confess... 
we believe and we confess the truth and yet we live another way, there's a problem with that, right? What's the problem? It's inconsistent. It's hip- hypocritical. That's why people say, oh, you're, you know, the church is all hypocritical. Well, I'm not saying that the church, we need to be perfect, but we need to be heading at least in the right direction in our lives. We say one thing and we do another. It's not the way it should be, and it's not the way for Jonah, and it, it didn't really work out very good for him. But we'll see, even in the middle of that, God can still use it. Look at verse 10. It says, this terrified them. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? What terrified them? His confession of this Lord, the God of heaven, the creator. So maybe they had heard of this one called Yahweh. It says they they knew he was, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So at some point in time, he did tell them, I'm running away from God. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine having to confess that to unbelievers around you? I'm a Christian, but I'm not following after Jesus. And I'm a Christian, but I'm living a different way. That's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Not only that, but I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of wrecking your day, right? That's what he has to say to these guys. I'm kind of, I'm kind of making life difficult for you because I'm a... I'm a believer, and I'm not really following. I'm, I'm actually going the other direction. And that's kind of like why this is all happening here today. You know, he didn't tell them when he was boarding the ship. He just, you know, pulled his overcoat up over his face a little bit, pulled his hat down, you know, just got on the kind of undercover, you know, like that's going to stop the truth from coming out, you know, undercover believers. But look at verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. Things were not getting better. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? What should we do to you? It's kind of like, You know, the things are going to get rougher and rougher until we finally submit, until we finally surrender, until we break. Now, nobody likes that. Nobody, you know, I don't I don't particularly like it. But but, you know, sometimes God has to do what God has to do to get us to a place where we'll say, "Okay, okay, okay, I give up. Uncle or father, you know, maybe that's better, yeah. We have to get to that place sometimes. It just gets rougher and rougher and rougher. And the people around us can see something going on. They maybe not understand it, but, but we should understand it. Finally, we have to say, okay. And what does he say in verse 12? He says, pick me up, throw me into the sea. He replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. I know it's my fault. At least he takes responsibility at this point in time. And that's big, Right? There's enough of this where we don't take responsibility for our our own actions. At least he takes responsibility for himself. And we need to do that. That's, you know, that's truth. That's being truthful and honest in our walk with God and in our lives to take responsibility for my, I I am sorry. You know, why is that so hard to say those words? You know, if you deal with kids at all, you see, you know, you could work with them for five minutes, ten minutes, 
to get them to say, I'm sorry. Why? We don't want to take responsibility. We don't want to accept it. Does it get any better when we get older? No, we just learn how to maneuver. I'm sorry you did that. <laughs> you know, we have ways of saying it that actually puts it on the other guy instead of, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I said that. that that's important in relationships, you know, to be able to say, I'm sorry. I am sorry. That's big. But, you know, looking at what he did here and what he said, it's still something's kind of weird about that, right? What does he say? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. It'll become calm. It'll take care of all the problem. In other words, what is he saying? Kill me. Throw me in rather than repent is really what it is. In other words, I'd rather die, someone said, than do God's will. <laughs> this is a prophet of God. Whoa. Hell. Jonah. No, we would never do that. You know, I'd rather just end it all than actually face up to what God wants me to do and just do what he says. Why is that so hard? Again, you deal with kids and you see it's like you're fighting this battle, this uh, you know, this battle of the will. I remember way, way back that book that uh, was written, The Strong-Willed Child, right? And, and how do you deal with the strong-willed child? But, you know, God's got his own book, and it's The Strong-Willed Christian, you and me. No, I'd rather die than do what God wants. I, I, I wonder about this. What if Jonah had said, you know what? It's my fault. It's bad. Can you just take me back? And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I think it would have got calm right then. I think, you know, they would have said, okay. And they would have turned back and taken him back. That's just my own opinion here. But eventually he would definitely do that. But he would have to face more trial, more trouble, more discomfort, as it will. Look at verse 13. Instead... They asked, he asked them to do that, throw me in. But instead, the men did their best to row back to land. You know, they, they'd already tried the rowing thing, right? Said that already. They tried the rowing thing. It didn't kind of work out too well. It didn't help. They said, well, let's row some more. They did their best to row back to land. They didn't want to throw him in. You see, they were actually more honorable than he was. They didn't want to throw him. They, they cared about him more than he did for anybody else. But again, trying to row against God, it just doesn't work, does it? But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Why? Because of the heart of this one man. The heart of this one man. What was going on in his life. Look at verse 14. This is kind of incredible, really. It says, Then... They, that is the sailors, what they do? It says they cried to not their own God, to Yahweh. They cried to the Lord. Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, oh, Lord, have done as you pleased. Whoa. 
That's kind of incredible, isn't it? And we'll see that there's more to that. But they pray. They pray. They saw God's hand in all of this. Jonah was, was, you know, Jonah really wasn't on track, but they saw God's hand in all of it. These unbelievers who finally, they bend the knee and they pray to Yahweh. They pray to God, pray to the Lord. Verse 15 says that they then threw, they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, it says, verse 16, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to him. They threw him over and, and that's what happened. They finally said, but, but something happened after that. It's kind of hard to see that picture. Can't even tell what it is. It's supposed to be of a person on their knees before praying. They get to this place, it says that they greatly feared the Lord, Yahweh. They offered a sacrifice to Him, to Yahweh. They made vows to Him, Yahweh. In other words, they turned to Him as the one true God. This kind of blows my mind, really. This guy Jonah, he's out, complete disobedience to God, going the complete opposite direction of the way God wanted him to, and yet, and, and God wanted him to go speak to those people of Nineveh, and he ends up speaking to the, the guys on this ship. And they, their lives are, are turned in the direction of God. How can God use disobedience? Isn't that kind of radical? You think about it? You see, the point of that is, is that God uses even Jonah's rebellion to reach other people, and God will make use of everything. All things work together for good. Now, that doesn't mean that we should go out and rebel on purpose because God's going to use that somehow to help someone else. They still lost some things. They lost all their cargo. Yeah, they, they gained a, a, an appreciation for this God, Yahweh. But it tells us about God, right, that he can use everything. They, they have what the, the writers call the economy of God, that he uses everything doesn't waste anything. And even those times when we've turned away from him, he, he can use us because he's bigger than us. Ultimately, that's what it is. So is that the end of the story? End of the story? No. God wasn't through with Jonah yet because God doesn't let go, Right? He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not the end of the story. You and I make mistakes, and God is so merciful, so graceful in our lives. We make mistakes, we blow, we do a lot of the same things Jonah did, but, but God doesn't let us go, and He's going to continue to have His hand on us. He's going to bring us where He wants us to be, and He's going to continue that work until the day of Christ Jesus when we Go to be with him. That's what it says in verse 17, which we're going to look at more next week. It says, but they threw him over. Could have been the end of him. But the Lord, but the Lord provided a great fish. 
Can't, you can't count God out, right? God's not going to let us go. So running from God, does it ever affect anyone else? Yeah, it does. But even God can use that. Does God get involved in our lives when we're running from Him? Yeah, He does. He holds on to us. He's going to hold on to you no matter what. I don't know where you are today. I don't know, you know what your life, what's going on in your life or whatever. Maybe, maybe you're running from Him. But, you know, we're going to have communion right now. And we could do this each month. And, and uh, really, communion is about the love of God. Can we t- just turn the heat down a little bit? It's really getting warm. Take a deep breath. Oh, that just made it warmer. I'm sorry. (laughs) Communion is a time we do where we come back to the cross. And it's where we focus and where we face the cross because because we get messed up. And that's why we, we do this on a regular basis, where we return to face the cross of Jesus Christ. Until he returns, that's what Paul said. Turned to his face. Jonah, it says he, he turned away from the face of the Lord, from the face of Yahweh. But we turn back to the face of our God and our Savior, Jesus. For God so loved the world. There's no greater Valentine's Day than to think about the cross. That he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved us so much. In John 15, greater love is no one than this than this than that he lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's what we celebrate, the cross. Where Jesus, he laid down his life. He gave his life for you and for me. In my book... Well, I haven't written a book. But in my mind, because of what he's done for me, I owe him everything. I owe him everything, and, and I want to give him everything, and I want to I follow him. When he says, follow me, I want to be one of those guys following right after him. Now, am I going to make mistakes and go different directions and do lots of different things? Yeah, of course, we all do. We all do. But again... All we have to do is turn. All we do is just turn back. That's, what, that's why we're celebrating right now and right here. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to, we have communion on the back table. And, and uh, they're going to spread that out for us there. And, and, and in my mind, this is between you and the Lord. Nobody is watching you to see what you do. But in my mind, for, for you and I to actually take a step and to get up and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, if you're not ready to do that, please don't do it. This is not a ritual. This is not some kind of magical thing that we do. It's a cry of our heart, really, to, to focus on him and to, to go his direction. But sometimes we need to just get up and do something. You know what I'm saying? So, so just getting up out of your seat and walking there is like, a, is like a, a, a confirmation. It's like a, a cry that God sees. And you say, God, I want to follow you. I want to face the cross. I want to do what you want me to do. I've been like Jonah. I've been there and done that. I know what that, where that goes. And so we're going to pray. 
and then take a moment or two, uh, a minute or two but to, to just open your heart to him and, and, and talk to him about this. And then, and then let it be a fresh start. Valentine's Day, what greater day than Valentine's Day to, to say, you know what, I, I recommitted. I, re, I recommitted my life to following after the cross of Jesus. Valentine's Day 2016. Let's pray together, shall we? Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, the one who laid down his life so that we could have life. The one who showed us what a true Valentine's Day is all about, true love. And Lord, you know us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And and like Jonah, the people around him knew him better than he appeared to know himself. And you know us inside and out. And and you know the direction that we're going. And and Lord, we may be on track, and that's okay, but we want to just reconfirm that we are and recommit that we are. Or maybe we're going another direction altogether. We haven't even considered the cross of Jesus, and we can do that today. We can say the cross where my sin was paid for, where I can be forgiven, where I can find life, eternal life, and and that I will not perish, but I'll have everlasting life. The cross of Jesus. Lord, we turn to you, and and we commit ourselves to you. We, We call out to you. So meet us here, Lord, we pray, even in in these few moments as we take to think, take to pray, as we perhaps make that step today, Lord. In Jesus' name.